This is Self Work, and I'm Dr. Margaret Rutherford. At Self Work, we'll discuss psychological and emotional issues common in today's world and what to do about them. I'm Dr. Margaret, and Self Work is a podcast dedicated to you taking just a few minutes today for your own self work. Hello and welcome or welcome back to self-work. I'm Dr. Margaret Rutherford. I'm a clinical psychologist and I've been in practice for over 30 years in Fayetteville, Arkansas, and I welcome you to self-work. I started this podcast to extend the walls of my practice to many of you who are already interested in psychological or emotional issues. Maybe you're in therapy. To those of you who have new questions or maybe you've just been diagnosed with something, but also to those of you who are quite skeptical about the whole mental health thing, or you think that mental illness is a joke, or you think that therapy is a joke, and I hope that you're curious enough or, sadly, perhaps unhappy enough to listen. Welcome to all of you. Today on self-work, we're going to focus on self-sabotage, when you're doing things or not doing things that seem to get in the way of achieving something or creating the life you say you want. There are a lot of behaviors or habits that can factor in here. Developing addictions can be a huge one. But today I want to talk more about the fear that's underneath self-sabotage. Because one way of looking at it is that it's really not sabotage at all. It's more that one part of you, the part that's afraid, is protecting you and protecting that fear or avoiding it. So what can seem as if you're getting in your own way could actually be your own mind working to keep you safe from a fear that you may be conscious of or not conscious of at all. That doesn't mean you can't become conscious of it, and that's what we'll talk about, as always, and what you can do about it. The speak pipe voicemail for today is from a woman who's realized that in order to have a sense of control, she not only lives out her plans for today, but tries to complete things early, things she might have a plan to do tomorrow. She does today. And yet, as she says, that's not how time works. It sounds like it's all about control, and it fits in quite well with our topic of self-sabotage. Because how can you be in today when you're focusing on getting things done so tomorrow will feel more in control? Kind of an interesting question. Before we go on, let's hear from BetterHelp. BetterHelp has a 4.8 star rating from over 300,000 people on its website, and it's a way of getting a therapist who fits you and your schedule right now. Twenty twenty two is ending, which was a hard year for many, as they're trying to heal from the impact of the pandemic, and now we're welcoming twenty twenty three with more people than ever needing help with anxiety and depression. The most common problem I hear from those seeking therapy is how hard it is to find a therapist. BetterHelp solves those problems. After you make the first contact, their standard is to offer names of therapists to you in less than two days, and you can talk to them in a first session to see if it's a good fit. If so, you're on your way. But if not, rather than going through an awkward call or email, you simply let BetterHelp know and they'll ask what it was you didn't like and find someone else for you. You can text, chat, or talk virtually. All of those avenues are open to you. I'm a therapist because I got good therapy. I know how much of a difference it can make. I reached out and so can you. Here's BetterHelp's offer for self-work listeners. 10% off your first month of sessions if you use this link. BetterHelp.com slash self-work. There's never a better time than today to reach out and get help. BetterHelp.com 
slash self-work. So I hope you'll be in touch with BetterHelp. One more thing, I have an announcement at the end of this episode, so I hope you'll stick around to hear about something I'm thrilled to tell you. But now let's focus on self-sabotage. And as I mentioned in the intro, its basis is fear. And we'll look at it through four different dynamics or traits, or as I call it the title, the quartet of self-sabotage and what their basic fears are. Perfectionism includes the fear of vulnerability. Procrastination, which involves the fear of commitment or what I might call exposure. The self-fulfilling prophecy which is the fear of not being successful or the fear of success itself, and the imposter syndrome, the fear of not being enough. Why did I call this group a quartet? Because literally, I imagine that all four of these are interwoven with each other, both the dynamics themselves and the fears that underlie them. Sometimes they're all playing at the same time. Gosh, I have done a lot of self-sabotage in my life. Speaking romantic partners that I rationally knew weren't a good match for me or where I was being manipulated or abused, starting something that was way too big a commitment to make and stopping or shaming myself for stopping, or in that same scenario, sticking with that huge commitment and getting literally sick because I was so determined to do it. All of that could be some form of self-sabotage. So what got in my way? Simply? Not being self-aware enough to slow down and think through the rationality of my desires or goals, as well as what fears I had that could potentially get in the way of or sabotage my being successful in reaching those goals. The source of the problem is not being aware of not knowing yourself well enough or how your past has affected you and created fears for you that will likely cause self-sabotage. For example, how many times has someone told me that they couldn't keep on working on weight loss after a lot of success because of their fear of being more physically and or sexually attractive? Now, that's perhaps unfair. I understand that. But it happens many times, and that's a common effect of weight loss, more attention. And some of that is sexual or romantic attention. The person becomes too afraid to continue, and that's raw fear. Because the mind is acting to protect that person from something very painful, perhaps prior abuse or some kind of triggered shame being the likely source. This may seem like kind of an upside-down way of looking at self-sabotage. I realize that. But stop and think about how your own fear gets in your way and how you might act to protect yourself from that fear. Maybe your mom died of breast cancer, so you don't go get your own mammograms or you have them obsessively. Either one of those choices could be based in fear. Maybe your dad screamed at you that you'd never amount to anything, so you can't ever stop working and making more and more money, even though you rationally know that you have more than enough. Fear can keep you paralyzed or running away or in some fight or another. So what can look like self-sabotage is actually self-protection. But It's self-protection that causes the wheels to fall off, whatever you're trying to achieve. So maybe it's not long-term help, 
but it's certainly understandable short-term protection. So in the intro, I mentioned four types of traits that make up a quartet of self-sabotaging dynamics. I'm sure there are more, and the fears I have mentioned as going along with each dynamic are very unique to you, and so they're interchangeable in many ways. You might say, oh yes, I have more of that fear than I do the other. Again, this is all not written in stone, but it was the best way I could organize it. So let's take each one of those traits and start with perfectionism. There are two kinds of perfectionism. There's constructive perfectionism. That's a great trait to have, and one that causes you to be determined and creative and work hard on what seems valuable to you. But you don't have that fear of vulnerability or making mistake. That's what's called destructive perfectionism holds within it. People with destructive perfectionism will say, I'm not going to try something that I feel I won't be able to do well. I hear that a lot. But what if that thing you fear you won't do well is part and parcel of growing in your job or becoming a better parent or even friend? You're safe, that's correct, but at what cost? Often the source of perfectionism is a fear of vulnerability, of looking stupid, of seeming out of control. And where might that fear have come from? If you've heard me talk about perfectly hidden depression, you know the answer could be from many sources. Everything from only getting attention when you're achieving to the minority culture you grow up in having very high expectations of you to be extremely successful to being abused as a child in some way and protecting yourself by either trying to become invisible and thus not make a mistake that might get attention or by being the child that tried to avoid abuse, or frankly, being home in general, by excelling in every way. Not being that, not seeming perfect, brings with it too much fear. And by the way, that's impossible, right? So the fear is sort of inevitable. Now let's move on to procrastination, where the source of the fear could be called a fear of commitment. When you're committed to something, you put yourself out there. You're going to see it through. You're going to put in a lot of effort. And maybe that scares you. Again, it could be close to a fear of vulnerability or making a mistake. But I wonder if there could be a slight distinction, a fear of the commitment to take responsibility, to get it handled. Now, perfectionism can go hand in hand with procrastination. How? You're constantly evaluating yourself and not living up to who you believe you could be. In fact, procrastination has been defined as insecure perfectionism. For example, perhaps you've had it in your mind to do something, but you put it off because you couldn't fit it into your already overly crowded schedule. So you push it completely, or almost completely, out of your consciousness, except you know you haven't done it, and rather than admit, sorry, I just can't pull that off today, or hey, I'll get to that text soon, but today's just impossible, you fear being disappointing or of looking like you're not responsible. But procrastination isn't always bound to perfectionism, and that's when I wonder if it has more to do with the fear of exposure. Let's say you're not perfectionistic, but you tend to say you're going to do something and then you put it off. Or you infer you're going to do it, you tell your wife or husband, yeah, I'll get that done, but then you don't. And you stay silent about it for as long as you can, and you hem and haw when it's brought back up. Do you in the North and the West know what hem and haw means? It means you lose any kind of clarity about the subject. You avoid it, basically. Hemming and hawing. Now, for those of you who might be saying to yourself, I don't think procrastination is fear. I think I'm just lazy. Well, maybe. 
that's a possibility. Or maybe you're tired all the time or even depressed. But again, my vote would be more toward this kind of procrastination or self-sabotage being about, quote, I'd rather not try to get it done and be disappointing that way than to do it and do it the wrong way or feel exposed like maybe I didn't really know how to do it, but I said I did. Maybe a very old fear is that someone told you you weren't capable or even stupid, and that's the old hurt, and you fear feeling that again. So writing out someone being angry with you for not doing what you said you would, at least they never find out if you truly could have done it. And you don't either, actually. Your fear of exposure overrides your fear of being disappointing. Let me say that again about procrastination. Your fear of exposure overrides your fear of being disappointing. If I look like I'm choosing not to do it, my fear doesn't get exposed. If I never try, I don't fail. Hopefully, this is making some sense. Self-sabotage protects you from deep-seated fears that we all have. But let's stop for a minute and hear from another great sponsor that really deserves your support, Magnesium Breakthrough. Hey guys, I want to share with you that recently I've been working on some very important projects that have very short deadlines as always, right? seems everything today is ASAP. Anyway, I have not been able to keep up with all of my self-care routine. I certainly haven't had breaks to have proper meals, and I'm drinking way too much iced tea. I was starting to get really stressed out when I remembered that the magnesium breakthrough I take every night is also a great support for stress management. I'd kind of forgotten that. In fact, magnesium is responsible for over 300 body reactions, and magnesium breakthrough is the only magnesium formula that delivers all seven different forms of magnesium. I didn't know there were seven forms, one of them being feeling more calm, centered, and in control of our stress. If you're trying to balance life demands, give it a try. Trust me, your mind and your body will thank you for it. What you can do is visit magbreakthrough.com slash selfwork and order now. Oh, in addition to the discount you get by using promo code selfwork10, so that's different, selfwork10, they're also amazing gifts with purchase. That's why I love shopping at Buy Optimizers. Again, go to magbreakthrough.com slash selfwork to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. Now let's talk about the third member of this quartet of self-sabotaging behaviors, the self-fulfilling prophecy. Obviously, I'm talking about a negative prophecy such as, I'll never get that promotion, or I could try to learn this until the day is long and I'd still never get it, or I'm too old to try that. Now, some of this is normal. We all have down moments. We all have moments when self-doubt or old painful messages that we absorb from our childhoods come to the fore to haunt us. We get confused, lost, afraid. I meet people all the time as clients and sometimes as my friends who are totally demoralized and feel that whatever skills they may have once had have disappeared in the vast difficulty of the present. There's no way I can be successful given the situation. That's a negative, self-fulfilling prophecy. The opposite of this is a positive, (laughs) self-fulfilling prophecy. I'll never get that promotion if I don't try. Or, it can take me longer to learn this, but I can do it. 
Now, let me be quick to say that there are some who say this really is a fear of success itself, and I can see this. So what if I am successful? How will my life change? What kinds of new things, things I can't foresee or control, might start happening? So that could be a fear of what success could bring. But I'd wonder with you whether we call it a fear of success or a fear of not being successful. It's still a fear of the unknown. So if you predict you can't do something, then you avoid the unknown. Or if you predict you can do something, but are afraid of what that success might bring, then you also avoid the unknown. And basically, you're stuck either way. Before we move on to talking about what you can do about it, let's focus on the fourth member of our quartet, the imposter syndrome. The fear that you're going to be found out at any moment for the fake you feel you are. If people only knew the real me, I'd be out of here or I'd get fired or whatever. Older research said this was more common in women. But more recent research is demonstrating that when the factors of actual workplace messages are accounted for, those messages being that you're not really wanted or valued, such as with minorities, the difference between men and women decreases significantly. Certainly, this fear of imposter syndrome can cause a lot of paralysis and self-doubt. You don't say things in meanings when you know you have a contribution. You don't put your name forward for particular assignments or take on extra responsibility. I well remember one of the things my very first supervisor said at the state hospital where I was interning. A man who graduated from my same program. We were meeting in his office, and he looked up at his graduation decree and licensing certificate, and he said, Every day I feel like someone is going to walk in here and take those down. I can laugh about it now, but back then it was really weird. Definitely imposter syndrome at work. It kind of scared me. So, as always, what can you do about self-sabotage? First, You must become aware of what your individual fears are. Again, these aren't tied down to the ideas I've told you about today. They can get all mixed up and your fear might be different than these or someone else's or certainly mine. But you have to be aware of your basic fears. How do you do that? You can go through your childhood and acknowledge, not blame, the experiences that you had that brought pain. What would have brought any child pain or struggle? And you could acknowledge those things that brought you a sense of calm or safety or comfort or pride. Most of us are a mixed bag where all that comes from. And you can see those things, you can write them down, and all of a sudden you realize, wait a minute, what kind of fear did that event or experience create? What did I become afraid of or nervous about or freaked out about? Whatever word you want to use, because that was the way my life was. So first you acknowledge But then you ask a question, what kind of fear did that create? The third thing is to realize and to admit in many ways that that fear may still be playing a part in your present life. Sometimes you can realize this all by yourself. Sometimes a friend can help you see it. Years ago, a very good friend of mine, who's also a psychologist, pointed out to me how often I said that I couldn't do something well that involved physical strength or capability. She wondered whether that was because I'd been a sick kid, and one of my go-to fears, my own version of self-sabotage, was that I was going to fail if I tried to do something physical, that I had a negative prediction of my ability before I'd even tried. And you know what? 
that really hit home for me. So I tried to change that and monitor that fear since then. But it might take a therapist to help you with this. Not necessarily, but it might. And there's a fourth step. After you've identified your underlying fear, after you've figured out where it came from and how it's playing out in your current life, then you'll need to come up with a way to calm that fear or even to work around it. What the research in this area calls this is an alternative plan. Let's say you have the fear of seeming out of emotional control. You know you feel that way because you were laughed at in your family or even ridiculed if you got upset. So you don't let yourself feel much of anything deeply, but especially not sadness. What would be a way to work with that fear or somehow help yourself with it? I suggest people listen to music that might help them come closer to their sadness. I suggest that people go into group therapy or support groups so that they can see and learn from others that revealing emotional pain is something that people they like and respect do all the time. I've been speaking to groups of construction workers this past year about realizing that the macho mask of nothing bothers me is just that, a very dangerous mask, and that suicide rates are extremely high in that profession. And what's going on in that profession is incredible. All kinds of mental health movements are going on because they realize that it's human to be afraid, to be sad, and to feel lost. It's not illness. It's just vulnerability. Then what you can do is reach out for help in understanding it and coming up with a way to acknowledge your real fear and stop whatever self-sabotage could be going on. Good luck to you. Speak pipe message from drmargaretrutherford.com. Here's our listener voicemail. Okay, I am responding to your New Year's post about that urge to take control, I had to chuckle when I realized not only do I want to control everything today, I want to control tomorrow and the day after. What I mean by that is not only do I want to make healthy plans for the next couple of days, for example, planning a lunch with friends or uh, exercising in a gym, things that you actually do need to plan for. No, I realized I want to take control of tomorrow by actually controlling it today. In other words, living through it today and making it happen in advance so that tomorrow is taken care of. So I wanted to record that while I realized What a funny, silly thing that is, because as far as I know, time does not work that way. So thank you for letting me put in my input. You can see how behind I am with voicemail messages as this one came in in January at some point. But I was intrigued by the woman's response and her transparency about her needing to feel as if she were not only controlling today, but tomorrow as well. And you can hear the distortion in that. What you control today or try to only takes place in one time period, the 24-hour period that is today. It has little to actually do about what may or may not happen tomorrow. This isn't the same as if you had something on your list of to-dos for tomorrow and you got it done a day early. 
At least I don't think that's what she means. What I hear is that her need for control, at least in January, was so strong that she felt as if she truly could control tomorrow by achieving something today, getting it out of the way. Maybe the control meant she could stay safe. Maybe the control meant that she could feel competent. Maybe the control meant that she felt more like she was in charge of her life. But her comments about that's not how time works also is important. We can do and say and try to predict what tomorrow will bring or not bring, but we cannot control that. It's the ambiguity of not knowing, and yes, this can be very frightening at times, and especially for those who have learned or have counted on living a very restricted life, a measured life, a planned life, an organized life, so that you tend to believe that you've got ambiguity beaten, but you really can never be completely in control. Unexpected things happen, sometimes welcome and sometimes not welcome. Dealing with that is part of emotional maturity and being able to work through very diverse emotions. I loved this listener's comment, so wanted to include it in this week's self-work. Thanks so much to her. You may have been wondering why the structure of self-work has changed a little bit during the last few weeks. We've offered many more interviews, and there's a reason why. I love interviewing people to bring their stories and ideas to you, but it also really felt great to sit down over the weekend and write another solo episode, this one on self-sabotage. But I've got some exciting news to give you. I've been selected to give a TEDx talk in Boca Raton, Florida at the end of May of 2023. That's May the 20th to be exact. I'm more than honored. And since it's not very far away, I've been hard at work with a coach on my actual speech. It's coming along and with every day that passes. My sense of gratitude grows as it does both my nervousness and determination. Y'all are the first to know, other than my close friends and family, so thank you so very much, Self Work Family, for being here and lending your support to me as a psychologist and speaker and someone hopefully having an idea worth sharing, which is what the TED stage is all about. My gratitude to you. Thank you all for being here today. We've got some new things happening in 2023, not just the TEDx, but we've got some new ideas coming your way. We've got a new format and some other ideas coming our way. So hope you'll tell your friends all about self-work. Leave us a rating, a review wherever you listen, especially on Apple Podcasts, because so many people listen there. And my heart warms when I see especially a written review there. Thank you so very much to the people that have taken the time to do that. You're very special folks to me. You can subscribe at drmargaretrutherford.com and you'll get a weekly newsletter with my blog post, my podcast, and anything else that's going on like the TEDx (laughs) I'll tell you about. I do have a new arrangement with the app called MealMind, M-E-O-M-I-N-D. And if you've ever wondered what it would actually be like to be in therapy with me, you can listen to me doing a therapy session. There's several on MealMind with me as the therapist, and there are many other therapists there. So the whole point of this free app, again, it's called MealMind is that you can listen in to a therapy session. Perhaps you don't have money for therapy or time, but you can listen to what other people's problems sound like. And if they're similar to yours, you can hear some of the ideas that therapists might have to help. I think it is an exceptional app. 
and I hope that you'll use it. Again, you can join my Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash self-work. I have self-work Sundays on Instagram Live. That's 4 o'clock Central Standard Time on most Sundays, unless I'm doing a study group for my book, Perfectly Hidden Depression. And of course, that's available as well. It's been translated now into nine different languages, so it's really going gangbusters. And remember, I would love to come speak to your group. I'm really wanting to expand into that in the next couple of years. I can talk about mental health in the workplace. I can do all kinds of things for your group. So I hope you'll reach out to me at AskDrMargaret at DrMargaretRutherford.com. Thank you for being here today. It's always an honor that you share your time with me because I know that time is very precious. Please take care of yourself, of the ones you love, and of your community, and be kind. I'm Dr. Margaret, and this has been Self Work.